I'm not taking it personally. I think it was more the fact of the incredible job that our kids' workers are doing and uh, we really appreciate you guys. All right, this, um, this week gone, we had the privilege of taking our leaders up the coast and um, we spent uh, quite a few days together um, praying, seeking God, having fun, doing some team building. But one of the things that I kept getting as I would come away from the time we spent together was this, this, this whole idea that with God, everything is possible. And with God, nothing is impossible. And even as we got home over the last couple of days, this whole thing kept ringing through my spirit, through my heart, was that with God, nothing is impossible. And we've spoken about so much of this already this morning. So what I'm about to say is probably just going to be revision. Um, And so that's a good thing. Um, Or we can just go straight to the cafe now. Um, But anyway... I shouldn't say things like that because someone would actually take me up on it and, and just walk out. But I'd like to propose this morning that the whole Christmas story is centered around the fact that with God, nothing is impossible. With God, no thing is impossible. Every believer is designed to invade this realm called impossibilities. Let me say that again. If you're here and you're a believer in Jesus, you've been born again, you're a follower of Christ, every single person has the privilege and the responsibility to invade the realm called impossibilities. What that means is that we get to partner with heaven, we get to partner with the Lord as we co-labor, as we partner with Him to see every knee bow to the name of Jesus. Like Hayden was talking about this morning, this is our privilege as followers of Jesus. This might be a a scary thought, but everything that God has intended to do in and through you is absolutely impossible. Let me say that again. Everything that God has intended to do in you and through you is absolutely impossible in human standards. And maybe if you think right now about the plans and purposes that God has for your life, and if you think, hey, in my natural self, this is all possible, this is all within reach, I would like like to suggest that you're probably not seeing clearly the plans and purposes God has for your life. Because when we see the plans and purposes for our life, for our church, for our community, there should be a natural response where we're like, hey, I couldn't even pull this off on my best day. And of course, we have the Spirit of God living inside of us that makes all things possible. Everyone is designed to invade this realm called impossibilities. We see in the life of Jesus that he constantly challenged his disciples 
to invade this area of impossibilities. We see in Matthew when he says, hey, go heal the sick. How many know that Ben Curtin in his human state cannot heal the sick? I have no ability to even heal a small toe. But here Jesus says to his disciples, go heal the sick. He says, actually, he takes it up a notch. He says, go raise the dead. He says, cleanse lepers and cast out demons. He was actually giving them very practical instructions about invading this area of impossibilities. In Mark, we we see that there's a passage where, I think someone talked about it this morning, when Jesus fed 5,000 people, or should I say when food was multiplied and 5,000 were fed. They weren't counting women and children, so it's most likely there was about 20,000 people there that day. They had heard the words of Jesus. He had been preaching for some time. And all these people had followed Jesus into this desolate area. And all of a sudden, there was 20,000 people that needed lunch. Jesus drops the microphone, turns to his disciples and says, you feed them and walks off. Now, I bet the disciples were thinking that, oh, they were just waiting for Jesus to turn around, slap them on the back and say, hey, just kidding. You should have seen the look on your faces. Like this is honestly, if you and me were one of the disciples of Jesus, this is what we would have been thinking. He drops the microphone, there's 20,000 people. He says, you feed them and walks off. They were waiting for the punchline of the joke. And it never came. He was actually turning to them, expecting that they would step into this place called impossibilities. And we see the story that he turns to them and says, well, what do you have? In other words, what do you have in your hand? Somebody found some, a couple of fish and some bread and he used that and multiplied and fed 20,000 people. The point is that he actually expects us as followers of Jesus to invade this world, to invade this area of impossibilities. If you are not overwhelmed in your natural state by your assignment, then you don't see your assignment. If we are not overwhelmed by the plans and purposes that God has for our church and our community, in our natural self, then we're probably not seeing clearly the plans and purposes He has for us. This morning as I was up early praying and asking the Lord what He would have for me to share this morning. My attention was drawn once again to a Christmas passage and I love the fact that we get to celebrate Christmas and we come around these passages. And if you've got your Bibles, if you, can, if you can turn to Luke, we're going to read some scripture this morning. Uh, Luke chapter 1, we're going to read quite a, quite a bit of scripture and then we're going to jump into Luke chapter 2 and read a bit more. But this morning, I want us to look at this response that Mary had to an impossible situation. It's fascinating the response that Mary had 
to what the angel came and says, hey, this is about to be your new reality. And her response is phenomenal. And I believe we can learn from that this morning and how we step into this realm called impossibilities. We're going to start reading in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And like I said, we're going to read through quite a bit of scripture. So take a deep breath. Get ready. Here we go, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, And blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of the Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of, his humble, of the humble state of his servant. From now on to all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. Has he scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts? He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he has promised our ancestors. 
And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. We're going to go over to to chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone, everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee in Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, And was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone shone around them and they were terrified but the angel said to them do not be afraid I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people today in the town of David a savior has been born to you he is the Messiah the Lord and this will be a sign to you you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. We see here that this is the passage of the Christmas story that we're very familiar with. But what fascinates me is that right in the middle of this Christmas story, we see that this angel Gabriel comes to this teenage girl called Mary And tells her something that was a, tells her something that was about to change her future. It's interesting that the Bible says that she is highly favored. But yet when we would look at the circumstances, we may think that she's about to go through a journey of something that's not favorable. We have the hindsight of 2,000 years of hearing this Christmas story. But how many know when the angel came to Mary? It was a different circumstance. The angel proclaims to Mary that she's highly favored. Little did she know that not long after that, her husband or Joseph was about to quietly divorce her. 
Little did she know that she was about to be caught up in a, a scandal, being the mother of an illegitimate child. Little did she know that in a few moments' time, Herod was about to kill her child, was, was about to try and kill her child. And here the Bible says that she was most favoured. Sometimes favour looks different from his perspective than ours. But what we see in this story of how Mary responds to a situation, to a scenario that, that was impossible is incredible. This is what she says in verse 36. 38. She says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left. In the Passion Translation, it says it like this. It says, as his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. May everything come to pass. This was Mary's response to this promise over her life that seemed like it was impossible. This is what she simply says. She says, as his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. May everything you have said come to pass. In this moment, Mary was about to respond in a way that was going to change the history of her life. She could have had a number of responses that really could have changed the outcome of the narrative and the story and the plans and purposes that God had for her life. Just before this, we see there was another encounter of an angelic voice to another person called Zechariah. And here in Luke chapter 1, I'm not going to read this passage, but we have this priest, this elderly man, who's been serving God for many, many years. And all of a sudden, he has been praying, him and his wife have been praying for a long time that she would bear a son. And in this moment, the angel appears and says to Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. And what does Zechariah straight away say? He asks for a sign. Now think this through with me for a moment. You're praying for breakthrough. You're praying for an answer to prayer. You're praying for an impossibility. And then Gabriel comes and stands in front of you, and you're having a conversation with this angel and you ask for a sign. To me, this is weird. And Zechariah asked for a sign, and you could understand by the text here that Zechariah is probably, uh, sorry, the angel Gabriel is probably feeling a bit like you are right now, and Gabriel says to Zechariah, 
I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. There was such an amount of unbelief that Zechariah had that actually stopped him from seeing and believing what God had said to the point where God actually muted him for the, for the period of John the Baptist's um, pregnancy, of uh, Elizabeth's pregnancy. You see, it's interesting that oftentimes what we say will actually have an effect on the promise of God over our life. In this scenario, the Lord actually had to mute someone so that the promise could be birthed. I want to encourage us that oftentimes our thinking, our speech, we so easily, I think the prophetic word came this morning about what we speak and what we say as well. But oftentimes what we think about, what we allow to come through our lips is actually sabotaging the very promise that God has over our lives. And here we see that this incredible promise came to Zechariah and the Lord actually had to shut his mouth until John was born. In contrast, we see this response from Mary. How many know that there was a lot more questions in Mary's mind about how everything that God has promised was going to be fulfilled. Once again, we have the hindsight of 2,000 years of talking about the Christmas story. But I don't know about you, but uh, for a teenage girl to be encountered with an angel to say, hey, you're going to have a son. She says, how is that possible? I've never slept with a man. And then the angel says, it's okay, I'm going to explain everything. The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. And all of a sudden, that makes it fine. Like, I understand everything now. How many know that 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 just creates a lot more questions? But look at Mary's response. Look at Mary's response. In verse 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And in the Passion Translation, it says it like this. As his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. May everything come to pass. There is sometimes when the Lord is looking for a yes. Actually, he's always looking for our yes. And oftentimes he comes with a promise. He comes with something that is way too big for us to comprehend. And we can either be in, 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 in two responses here. We can be like Zechariah, who when the very angel is standing in front of him, he says, look, I understand that you've come with good intentions. I understand that, yes, I did pray for a son, but I really need a sign before I'm going to believe. Or we can be like Mary, where there's so many questions, so many uncertainties, so much things in her future that she now has no clue about and she pushes that all aside and she says, hey, the most important thing right now in this season is my yes. There is a place for questions. The Lord does want to reveal to us mysteries, but there is a season where our yes must have an emphasis over the questions. 
Our yes has to take um, precedence over our questions, over our lack of understanding. And here we see that Mary, Mary's response was one that simply says yes. This morning, as we come to a close here, I want to encourage you in this Christmas season, as we look at finishing off a year and going into the next year, I want to encourage you to have the response like Mary had. Remembering that the very plans and purposes for God over your life, if they don't overwhelm you in the natural, you're probably not seeing them clearly. And as you take time in this season to reflect, to ask God, what, is, what does he have for us for next year? I want to encourage you that as you get alone with God, you're probably going to be overwhelmed. Because this is what he does. His plans and purposes are so much higher than even your, your ability to comprehend or even imagine, the scripture says. And so it's likely that when you get alone with God and you start getting his heartbeat for what he has for you, there's going to be an element that you're going to be overwhelmed. There's going to be things where you're going to say, hey, that's actually impossible. There's going to be times when you say, hey, in my natural abilities, I couldn't even pull that off on my best day. And yet, he's calling all of us to come back to the simplicity of the response that Mary showed and says, hey, right now, I'm pushing the questions, I'm pushing the mystery, I'm pushing all these things aside because right now, what the Lord needs for me to step into my destiny is my resounding yes. So this morning, I want to encourage you. What's your response going to be? What's your response going to be for you as an individual, for our church, for our community? What, what is God speaking over your life? And what is our response? Maybe the Lord has called you to have influence in politics. And you might look at that and say, hey, that's impossible. Maybe the Lord is calling you to raise three kids that are world changers. And right now you're looking at that saying, that is impossible. Or maybe he's called you in the space of business to be successful. And right now you're looking at that saying, hey, that's impossible. Or maybe he's calling you to, 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 to impact your school for the kingdom of God and change the atmosphere and change the culture of your school. And maybe right now you're sitting here and, and, and your mind's going to what your school looks like and you think, hey, that's impossible. In ourselves, even on our best day, it is impossible. But God says, His Word says, with God, nothing is impossible. What that means is that we have 
the Spirit of God who is now living inside of us that is looking for opportunities for everything to bow to the name of Jesus, for impossibilities to bow their knee to the name of Jesus. What is the Lord calling you to do right now? What's the assignment He's given you? Is your response ones like Zechariah where you come up with a, you, you want a thousand, a thousand reasons, you, you want a thousand signs before you're going to say yes, or are you going to be like Mary and say, hey, I don't understand what the future looks like, but I say yes. I'm going to finish up and pray in a moment. And just as we can, maybe you can just close your eyes right now just so you can engage and reflect without distractions to God right now. I want to pray for us in a moment for this season that we will be people that say yes even before we understand all the details, that we will have decided in our hearts to obey, to say yes to whatever he's asking, even before we see the fine print. But right now, maybe you're here and you've never had a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've never said the ultimate yes to him to be your Lord and Savior of your life. And this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to say the greatest yes you'll ever say, which is to say yes to Him, to come into your life, to forgive you of your sin, to give you a brand new start, and to become your Lord and Savior. And this is the greatest decision that you can make. It is the greatest gift. And if there's anyone here this morning that's never made that decision, and you say right now, Ben, I want to make that decision. I want forgiveness of my sin. I want to include you in a prayer this morning. Is there anyone that would just raise their hand just so I know? Thank you. I see that hand down the back. Is there anyone this morning that would say, I want to say yes to Jesus. I want my sins forgiven. Maybe you've even been in church before and you've prayed this before, but this morning you say, hey, I want to make a fresh decision to follow him. Is there anyone else this morning? Just as I look across the room one more time, anyone this morning that says, hey, I want to say yes to Jesus. Anyone quickly. There's one person this morning that has had enough courage to say, hey, I need to get right with God. And so we're going to pray this prayer. It's a prayer of salvation. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, then you shall be saved. So right now, we're going to pray this together as a family. So if we could all repeat after me, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And today of my own free will, I choose you. I choose you to be my Lord and Savior. And I give the rest of my life to you. Amen. Why don't we celebrate that decision?
This morning we're going to have prayer as the, as the service finishes. There's going to be, the prayer team's going to come and we're going to have a time of prayer. And if you're here particularly this morning, I felt there was two categories. If, if we want to believe and stand for you in prayer, number one, maybe if you don't know the assignment that the Lord has for you, maybe you're not clear about what has God actually called me to. This is an incredible time where you can come and you can have people pray with you and you can just open yourself up to whatever the Holy Spirit would want to say in your life. And number two, if you just want courage and you want someone to stand beside you to say, hey, I want my response to be a resounding yes, then we want to encourage you as well to come out for prayer. Amen.